Duvall, how are you doing today, this evening? I'm good, Jay. I'm great. I'm happy to be on your podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for joining. Um, thinking about topics we can cover, it's where we're pretty much halfway through the year now. Time is good. Time is flying. And a lot's happened. And I thought it'd be cool to pick your brain on, on, on a few topics within the fintech industry, obviously, specifically <laughs> embedded finance. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> cool. So let's start with it. You know, let's start with an exciting question here. Some talk about some opportunity. Um, what are the trends that you're seeing in the, in the market, in the embedded finance market right now that are getting you excited? Well, I think that, uh, you know, as an industry that's really in its early stages of development, we're constantly uncovering new uh, opportunities. And I think the biggest thing that I'm, you know, excited about is, is uh, the interest on the part of a lot of international companies um, mm-hmm. to find a bridge to financial services in the United States using an embedded finance provider like us. Um, The American financial system is, of course, the most stable, the most secure, the most reliable, the most, you know, uh, uh, safe from every possible, you know, angle that you look at it. Um, And so people who have money elsewhere and want to protect it, their preference is always going to be to put the money in in the United States. Um, or to use uh, the American financial system in some capacity to safeguard their money. So I, I, um, I think that what we're seeing is an emergence of, 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 of awareness around the world, not, any, not even in any one specific region, to the idea that, that, that embedded finance can be that kind of bridge to American financial services, American banking system, American uh, financial system. And so uh, that is sort of an emerging trend, I would say, that I'm seeing in our business. And I would imagine, you know, reflects uh, a sort of both growing desire on the parts of both fintechs and banks and other companies to have their foot in the United States via presence uh, in, in the system for themselves and their customers through uh, an embedded finance technology provider that is both um, uh, advanced in terms of the, the, the connectivity, uh, robust in terms of the product, and then also regulated in our case, which means that we're a, ourselves a financial institution that has some jurisdiction over um, you know, decisions that we make regarding which customers we can take and which we can't. Um, rather than actually just relying on our bank. That doesn't mean, by the way, we don't have a relationship with banks. Uh, of course, we must because, you know, we, de- we do deposit the money in banks, banks and bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And through them, we extend FDIC insurance to, uh, to our customers. So there is a collaborative component with the bank, but it's not a solely, you know, sort of dependent on bank decision whether we want to actually do business with that uh, potential customer or not. So... Those, all those components uh, play a part, I think, in, uh, in giving us some level of primacy uh, in terms of the choice that you know, companies, fintechs, banks might make when they're going to look for a financial services provider 
via an embedded fan finance platform like Alvier's uh, to choose us. Yeah. You know, on the topic of, uh, of evolution here, uh, beyond the example you just gave, uh, what are some other use cases evolving that you didn't expect to see one to two years ago? And maybe not just demand in the category, but any specific kind of product or, or platform applications? I mean, I think that, that probably looking back two years, uh, I wouldn't have expected that yield would become a big deal. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, at the time when we began to think about yield, we were thinking about more alongside, uh, along the lines of crypto product, you know, products. Mm. Now, clearly, you know, given that the interest rates have risen and uh, suddenly mm -hmm. uh, it's an opportunity for people, for, for institutions to actually provide customers with some kind of, you know, interest on their deposits. Now it's becoming incredibly mainstream and and the, the, the speed. So not that I would never have seen yield and, and the idea mm -hmm. that something would gain, you know, would be interest bearing in, in a financial system, you know, based account. But I didn't think it was going to actually come around so quickly <laughs> that, you know, that the, the mainstream was going to go from like zero to four, four and a half percent of yield so quickly. Um, so I, I think that that's probably the biggest uh, trend that I would not have foreseen. Um, I mean, I think the thing I talked about previously, I also not foreseen, but but more specifically, yeah. sort of in a semi macroeconomic sense, I probably would have foreseen this level of, 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 of interest on, on, on interest bearing account. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, an, another thing that's interesting, and 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 I'll just quickly touch on it here. But you know, two years ago, I think, especially when I joined Alvier, for example, we were thinking very heavily on pushing or the products that we were helping companies bring to market were ultimately going to be used by an end an end user, so B to B to C, right? Yeah. And I think something that's really cool is the idea of thinking inward when you look at embedded finance technology and how that can help streamline some internal money movement processes? Yeah, I think that, uh, that, that part of what we bring to the table is modernization capabilities and efficiencies and reduction of costs by using, you know, using less traditional instruments and technologies to move money around, not to say that they're not safe. They're just more mm -hmm. advanced, more innovative. And if you are living with a more traditional, you know, system, you probably not don't have access to that. So, you know, um, whether the cheaper moving, moving around of money or, or, uh, you know, in domestically and abroad, uh, whether it's the way you, you, uh, you deliver money from, you know, you know, as a, as a, as a fire in a final destination, uh, to a consumer or a business, um, those things are are you know can be streamlined and and uh, and I would say optimized. So mm -hmm. the optimization of money flow and the optimization of money movement is where I think that there's a lot of opportunity. And then and you can think about it in every company that there is you know some kind of money movement. So how do you actually you know disperse salaries or how do you disperse you know payments to vendors or how do you uh, uh, um, 
move money from your one company, you know, one subsidiary of yours to another subsidiary of yours in the least, you know, costly, quickest fashion, you know, not 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 specifically potentially using traditional rails. So all those things are, are you know, are enormous opportunities, especially given, you know, that a lot of companies don't have the kind of technical technological prowess that a tech company does to, you know, automate this stuff or 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 create, you know, more efficient, streamlined uh, capabilities. That's where we come in with 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 sort of advanced uh, technology and state of the art tools that would allow companies to do all those things, whether it's bring money in, you know, move money within the organization and move money out to, you know, whether it's customers or vendors um, or any other kind of partners that they might, you know, want to disperse money to. All those three steps of like in, staying, out, all those that have to do with, with, a, with a, a money flow opportunity which our goal is to try and optimize and there's always an opportunity to optimize mm -hmm. and with the kind of when you look at sort of the gigantic uh amount of money that moves around every single day you know if you just optimize and bring in some very minor efficiency you know 0.001 percent efficiency you're talking about lots of money and so, and everybody wants that that opportunity to do something more efficient with money. And so, uh, I think this is what I feel very strongly about. You know, the optimization of money flow, mm -hmm. the streamlining of money movement, uh, is is something that people should think about as a as a as a both a cost saving, customer uh, experience improving uh, capability that will ultimately uh, also pay off in terms of revenue. Yeah. Yeah, great point. So I got to go there. It wouldn't be a well-rounded interview without talking about some challenges. Um, so when you, you know, when you look at our category as a whole right now, the embedded finance category, what do you think are some of our most challenging headwinds here in the short term, long term? What are we what are we up against? I mean, I think mostly the, the most, you know, for any innovator. Uh, and, and I think that that past the point of like incredible excitement about the ideas and the theories and the, and the thesis behind these kinds of businesses, which I think happened about two years ago. Um, now we're into the sort of the humdrum days of uh, of of hard labor um and i think that that I mean, yeah you know it's no. meant, i think that that's where i think a lot of businesses either rise or fall so to me the biggest thing that i'm worried about for our sector is, is, is lack of you know excitement um and uh and 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 i would say just customers that are just happy to have it the way they have it today but I, I, I believe that the the that that is a challenge to keep ourselves sort of buoyed up with a with a high degree of uh, excitement and uh, and um, enthusiasm for the potential for transformation around these topics, which is moving sort of center of gravity of a lot of financial transactions from away from the banks into more 
technologically based um, middlemen um, that, that mm. are conduits between companies, their needs, and the banking system, uh, but can do it a lot more efficiently, a lot better, a lot faster. Um, that to me is an exciting thing because it means you're bringing efficiencies into the businesses as well as helping them access inaccessible uh, revenue opportunities. So um, those things are exciting to me and I find them to be, you know, uh, reasonably exciting for customers too because they will have, you know, significant economic impact uh, on their business. Uh, so my biggest fear is apathy. It's like, you know, we do it already today well here and, you know, we really don't need to make this change. And so how do you get that sort of momentum of, well, everybody's doing it. And so you got to do it because you don't want to stay left behind. That 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 is that is the thing that I think about a lot, and uh, and and how to how to conquer that, you know, sense of like either statedness or apathy. Those things are the the, the biggest dangers to any kind of technological innovation. Is to say, what I got is you know just good enough. It's not great. It's not fantastic. It's not incredibly efficient, but it's good enough. It works. And so you don't mm -hmm. actually have the uh, the impetus to make change. Yeah. So you bring up that's a some some great points you bring up, and I'm actually going to skip around on my cheat sheet here, and ask you a question that I think is a really good follow up to that. From the customer's point of view, from the client's point of view, what do you think is most misunderstood still about embedded finance? I think. You know, and we've talked about it before. I'm I'm going to be like a broken record. Regulation. I think the intricacies, the seriousness, the comp complexities, the depth of understanding, the uh, the minutia of uh, of the regulatory system is so like not on top of people's minds. Because they assume ah, that's over there it's going to be taken care of somehow and that's not the necessary you know conclusion uh you do need to have experts who are also in my mind already regulated dealing with day-to-day -day with regulators our financial institution that that is recognized by the government uh as being a safe um secure efficient and uh, and reliable place to help move and store your money. Um, to me, the that underlying solidity, which comes directly from the regulatory system, and the, the the fact that government has the tools to enforce some degree of structure and adherence to um, to safety measures that are absolutely essential to make sure that there's no chaos in the in the world of money just like we saw in in in, in the world of crypto you know in the crypto world i'm you know i'm a big proponent <laughs> and i think that it's mm -hmm. something that is overlooked um and that you know people why when they're doing their due diligence on you know which provider they want to work with uh, in terms of the embedded finance world uh, and other types of financial services. I think looking at their regulatory uh, health scorecard uh, is is key. And 
you don't really have a, health, a regulatory health scorecard if you're not regulated. So I think that that mm. is where I would say a lot of people need to focus where they don't focus right now. It's not just on the core uh, function, feature function capabilities that exist within a certain vendor. But are they a regulated financial institution? Do they have ongoing um, conversations with regulators and ensure that what they're doing is, 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 uh, is um, approved, is accepted, and then also doing some things that would help push the envelope and, uh, and, and having that dialogue with, with, with regulators that says, well, we think this is a, a really good you know, thing that we should offer. Right now, it's not available or it's not, you know, accessible, uh, and we'd like to make it accessible. That's a conversation that you have with the regulator, and if you're not regulated, you're not having that conversation. So, mm -hmm. bottom line is, to me, that's the key, you know, thing that people should know about our industry: find a regulated partner. Yeah, and so if you take a step back. And you think about a company who maybe doesn't have experience with fintech uh, in the past or hasn't experimented with new ways of delivering financial products to their customers. You, you kind of get this, this sense that they naturally just go to they naturally go to their bank partner and they naturally rely on their bank partner to deliver that. In your opinion, what are the outcomes of that type of thinking? And why is it so important to get comfortable and, and confident with a financial technology layer over the financial service itself that leads to customization? It's all we're living in a digital world. And I don't think that uh, when you look at that in that context, well, I mean, you need to have the most up to date technology. Uh, to be able to not just be viable today, but to be, but, but if you're making the investment, and you're putting in the time and you're bringing in a new capability into your business, you don't want something that's, you know, backward looking, that you know, was good five or seven or 10 years ago and today is also good. No, you want something that's good today and will be good also five to ten, seven, seven, ten years from now. So I think that that is a, a key component of why you wouldn't want to go to a bank. They are, though, though they have technology for sure, because I mean, who can offer, operate without it? But it's not their core um, capability, their core competency. It is their, it isn't the central focus of their business. It's not where they make their money. It's a, it's really a, an adjunct uh, uh, aid tool to you know, streamlined, optimized money flow, um, if they have it, if they have it. And then usually it's custom built for themselves. Um, what we're offering is to build a layer on top of that, to have the layer, to, 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 you know, basically put our layer, our, our middle layer on top of that and help, you know, by connecting new technologies to old technology, <laughs> via this kind of converter right it's almost like a converter that we're mm. having on top of our on top of the financial services and and i don't believe that most banks have that um and i don't believe that if you go to a traditional bank you're going to get that or what anything close to it 
you're going to get some kind of adaptation that probably is based on pretty old technology that um, that ultimately would become obsolete in a few years. So I don't think that, uh, and, and of course the bank will have to go through whatever it has to go through in order to do the, uh, to renew it, to renovate. Um, but what do you care? You want to, you as the customer, you want to have the best possible and best, you know, and if you know that, 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 that your embedded finance vendor is not only a technology company, but also is a regulated financial institution, that's a pretty interesting combo. Pure technology. It's not technology for, you know, uh, delivering financial services because I'm Airbnb, you know, and I've got to sell, you know, spaces in people's homes. That's technology in service of another mission. We we're technology in services of the mission of enabling others with the technology that we have. So it's a very different kind of approach. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there. It's it's really the company asking themselves, like, what type of customer experience do I want to give my end customer? And is that a customer experience that was built by a financial services company? Or is that a, is that a, a customer experience that was built um, at the foundation with financial services, but a customized layer of software on top of it that creates an experience that's designed specifically for their customer in mind. And I think that's the big distinction that you think about when you, when you look at, you know, the, I guess the two roads and, and how important it is to get comfortable with that, with that technology layer over the core financial service. Yeah. I mean, I think that, Ultimately, our goal is to help streamline, ease, facilitate, uh, make accessible uh, all those things that otherwise would take you an army of programmers and partners and, you know, and attorneys and, and uh, all kinds of payment specialists and to actually, <laughs> to actually do. And if you actually yeah. have to count the number of people who would need to, you would need to hire on your side in order to, do, to, to actually do what we deliver in one API uh, and in one contract from one vendor, you'd probably come up with 20 or 30 people. And I think that that initially, that, that, that just as a starting point is prohibitive from a yeah. transformation or company expense point of view. When, when you're going off to do some other, you know, to do some kind of internal company transformation project, you want to streamline Customer, customer uh, payments, or you want to streamline internal payment movements, or you want to, you know, offer out financial services to your your customers, some kind of financial services. You just maybe you want to put a bank, give them a bank account. Um, maybe your Airbnb, and you want to give your 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 host a bank account. Um, when you look at all that, the complexity of putting something like that together is so great. And most companies just don't even think about it, or even they yeah. do think about it. They kind of wipe it off their their uh, their table because it's it, it just involves too much knowledge acquisition and technology acquisition and regulatory acquisition, and you know, and 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 it becomes prohibitive. So we help that make that you know something that which is 
otherwise prohibitive, we make it accessible, easy, relatively inexpensive, um, and fast. And protected and regulated and so on of all the other things, right? Yep. Yeah, you said 20 to 30 people. I, I would imagine more. Maybe not at the start, but, you know, when, when you're at full scale. You're, yeah, you know, totally. So last question. Um, when you look in your crystal ball and you, you think five to 10 years from now, what does this space look like? Um, I think that in, in my world, in our world of, of financial services, I think you're going to continue seeing a devolution of, 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 of the financial services enablement away from the traditional um, providers of financial services, i.e. banks. Uh, now that the bank is not a physical presence anymore, I think the, the the more the more virtual it becomes, the more the less physical it becomes uh, as a as a reality in our lives. Like, okay, I'm going to the bank. Um, there is no bank to go to, so I, I really think that this concept of devolution of who basically is the uh, main contact point for people who you know want to store or use their money somehow who is that who is that entity is it a bank is it somebody else um do companies need banks anymore in the same traditional sense that they did if they have a full treasury management system and they can do a lot of the activities you know without directly you know using a bank all those things are questions that i think about regarding the future um Ultimately, I think that, that, again, it's all about how do you bring more people into the financial system? How do you share a little bit of the spoils, quote unquote, of that system with them? And that includes both consumers and businesses. And, and let banks go back to what they were traditionally, which is places where people deposited money and took loan and got some interest for the deposits and took loan, you know, and, and, and got loans from and, and a higher percentage. And that's how the bank made money. Uh, from that arbitrage so um yeah i think that's kind of how i see the future and i don't see it 10 years ahead because i have no idea what's going to happen i mean I think right now there's yeah. so many big i mean no because i think we we're seeing we're already in a, a year in a time of great change um particularly with the introduction of ai that you know all bets are off you know i think that that's actually a great place to end um I appreciate yeah, your time. It's all bets are off. I I do appreciate you letting me pick your brain on this. I think it's important. Um, and we'll we'll do another six month check in at the end of the year and see see what crystal balls come come from there. Yeah. What bets are on again? Yeah, what bets are on again? All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon.